Hello, welcome to Bible Read Me. I'm Charles Van Dersen. Today we begin with a summary starting with January the 15th. Finally, after 13 years of slavery and imprisonment for more than a couple of years in a dungeon, Joseph gets to breathe fresh air for the first time, but now as second in command over all Egypt. It started with Joseph correctly interpreting the dreams of two prisoners and the subsequent short memory of the one with the good outcome that kept Joseph in the dark for a couple of more years. I wonder if after the quickness of their dreams fulfillment, if Joseph struggled over the delay of his own. Either way, then within one hour he was promoted from the slave of the captain of the guard to second-in-command of Pharaoh's court and all of Egypt for interpreting Pharaoh's dream of the coming feast and famine. Joseph immediately went out to inspect the entire land. The joy of his newfound blessing was great enough to overcome all his years of suffering. Then, as predicted, the seven years of abundance in Egypt was followed by seven years of famine throughout the entire world, reaching even to Joseph's family back in Canaan. Day 16. Wow, this reading is chock full of amazing events. Joseph's newfound palace lifestyle helps him to forget his former sufferings. Jacob sends his sons away to buy grain from the son that he thinks is dead, but he saves Rachel's remaining son, Benjamin, from any potential harm. Joseph concealed his identity and was able to have the manipulative advantage over his brothers. The ten older brothers admitted that they had treated younger Joseph wrongly and believed that God was paying them back for it. Reuben and Judah finally developed a sense of responsibility as they guaranteed to their father Benjamin's safety. Simeon spent two years in prison while waiting for the brothers to bring Benjamin as proof of their integrity. Joseph appeared, to his brothers at least, to have psychic powers because he knew things that a stranger would not have known. Jacob revealed his favoritism for Rachel's sons. And the brothers think that Egypt's wealthy governor wants to steal their little donkeys. Reference Genesis chapter 43 verse 18. Finally, Joseph revealed his identity and sent for his father to come and live there for the remaining five years of famine. Joseph may have chosen Simeon to be held in prison because Joseph knew that he was a violent man and would survive prison life better than the other brothers. Another view is that Joseph knew, as did Jacob, that it was best to separate Simeon from his partner brother, Levi. You may reference Herbert Lockyer's All the Men of the Bible, 1958, page 315. Day 17. The Egyptians were actually delighted for the Israelis to come live with them and presented them with, quote, the best of all the land and food, end quote. Reference Genesis chapter 45, verses 16 through 20. And then they were excited again, of course, to see them leave 400 years later. Jacob was happy to be going down to Egypt to see Joseph, but he must have been a little bit nervous about being in Egypt because God assured him that he would be safe and that Joseph would be with him when he passed away. Jacob must have thought, wow, receiving that message from the Lord 17 years earlier sure would have been very much appreciated. Joseph coached his father on Egyptian protocol before meeting Pharaoh. Jacob blessed Pharaoh twice before moving to Goshen, where the Israeli population subsequently exploded. 
The famine empowered Joseph into enslaving all the Egyptians in the land except for the priests. This population must have included his former Egyptian master, Potiphar, and his wife. Oh, to have been a fly on the wall during that meeting. January 18. Jacob's deathbed blessings over his and Joseph's sons whom he adopted, which may be why there's no tribe of Joseph named until Revelation chapter 7 verse 8, contained many prophecies. Tucked within his blessing of Dan, whose tribal name was blotted out for incessant and unrepentant idolatry and left out of the list in Revelation chapter 7, contains the first time in scripture where the word, quote, salvation, end quote, is used. Reference Genesis chapter 49, verse 18. In Judah's blessing, he predicted the coming of the eternal king. Leah, the unloved but first wife of Jacob, finally received her due honor when Jacob instructed his sons to bury him beside her body rather than Rachel's. After Jacob's death, the brothers crafted another lie to avert Joseph's potential revenge on them. But he demonstrated to them the most genuine and the first overt act of forgiveness between humans in Scripture. Then the story fast-forwarded to the event of Joseph's death where he foretold of the Hebrew people's eventual return to Canaan with instructions that someone in that future generation be sure to bring his bones with them. Day 19. The true account of Job's testing begins as confirmed by God, reference Ezekiel chapter 14, verses 14 and 20. The Apostle Paul in the book of Romans chapter 11, verse 35, and 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 19, and the Lord's brother, James, in James chapter 5, verse 11. The description of Job's circumstances suggests that this account took place sometime after the Tower of Babel, which would have been around 2000 BC, but some scholars place it as late as 600 BC. The book of Job affirms the existence of Satan. While not residing there, he has the ability to approach the throne of God to accuse the faithful. He is intelligent, powerful, and mobile. Elsewhere in Scripture, we learn that he seeks to kill, steal, and destroy. But remember, quote, greater is he that is within us than he that is in the world, end quote. Ignorant of the heavenly drama between God and Satan, Job's life of joy and prosperity is suddenly invaded with two events of testing through horrific tragedies. But he maintained his integrity before God. He expressed his depression and confessed his fear of this happening. Then Eliphaz unsuccessfully tried to diagnose and fix Job's problem. I agree with Dr. John MacArthur in his MacArthur Bible Commentary, page 563, where he suggests seven reasons why Job probably occurred earlier rather than later. One, Job's age. Two, the fact that his wealth is measured in livestock rather than in land, gold, or coins. Three, the lack of medicine. Four, Job's priestly functions. Five, the patriarchal condition of the family. 6. No mention of God's covenant given to the patriarchs, the Exodus, or the Law of Moses. And 7. The nomadic sense of previously unsettled people groups. January the 20th. Job's, quote, friend, end quote, 
Eliphaz, assumed that since God often blesses the good and curses the evil, Job needed to repent of some hidden sin. On the surface, it appears that he is wise to the ways of God, but his, and his other companions, overarching theme is that if Job were indeed righteous, then God would have prevented his suffering. While Job admits his imperfection, he maintains his innocence of any grievous sin. King David and Jesus noted that often the wicked seem to prosper, so it is not wise to form an ideology on what is in God's control, as if the common observation that God does bless the righteous with a plethora of gifts, both spiritual and physical, and that he punishes the wicked through the consequences of their sin and eventual damnation, was a universal law that must be applied whenever anyone is trying to determine the cause of any and all suffering. Note, whenever someone quotes from the book of Job, I always look to see who is being quoted before I accept it. Even God said that his friends misrepresented himself. January 21. After Job defended himself from Eliphaz's accusations and cried out to God for mercy, Bildad chimed in with the challenge that Job is questioning God's character and assumed that Job's punishment is justified because, quote, his children must have sinned, end quote. Again, Bildad is correct in most of what he says, but his application is skewed. In Job's response, we read a powerful pro-life message of God's careful work in the womb. Reference the book of Job, chapter 10, verses 8 through 12. Then Zophar added insult to injury by saying that Job's, quote, punishment, end quote, is too lenient and tells Job to get right with God. Job wanted relief and thought that a mediator could convince God to lighten up. Right or wrong, if Job had not expressed his innermost thoughts, we may be tempted to discount the severity of his pain. Even though I know that God is sovereign, at times I also have challenged God by asking, Why me, Lord? This ends episode number five. My next podcast will begin on day 22. I look forward to your visit then. May God bless you.